Take your Bible, stand with me, and turn to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 26, and then Brother Kaufman's going to be preaching this morning a message entitled, Real Authority, Real Authority, taken from Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What, what reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? but that they may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lied, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the power of your word and the truth of your word. And now we thank you for Brother Kaufman. We ask, Lord, that you would just bless him, anoint him with the power of the Holy Spirit as he brings forth the word of God. And for all this, we'll give you the thanks and praise. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Frank. All right, Luke chapter 5 this morning. Real authority. Real authority. Now, if I can just get situated up here, that'd be good. All right. When we're younger, the one thing that we always dream about is having authority. As we get older and we start getting authority, the thing we start thinking about is when can I get back to not having to have this much responsibility? I remember being younger. I remember being in youth group and um, every single year we had vacation Bible school but not vacation Bible school. It was was called neighborhood Bible time, and neighborhood Bible time can be described as vacation Bible school on steroids. All right, and we have that every year, and there was always a teen rally that went with it, and every single year in the teen rally, they would have team captains, and so two teenagers from each team, a girl and a boy, got to be the team captains and got to lead their teams, And, and every year I wanted to be a team captain. And the one year it came to, this was my year, I'm the leader in the youth group, no one else can even challenge me, the evangelist came in and made visitors, people who weren't even part of our youth group, the leaders. I, my authority, my rightful authority was taken away from me. 
Then I remember when I actually was the youth director at my home church, I had the authority to be over the youth group, and then I got the responsibility with that to take the teens to camp. Now, with the being in charge of the trip meant that I got to drive one of the 15 passenger vans. And so I got to drive as a you know, 26, 27, 28-year-old. I can't remember how old it was. I think 28. As a 28-year-old, I got to drive a van full of loud... We'll just say with loud Amen. teenagers. Up, down, and around. Because that's what it feels like you're doing when you're driving the hills of North Carolina. And can I say that that, 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 that drive... Because of my authority, I had that responsibility. It was, it was a little overwhelming. Authority can be a little overwhelming sometimes. And now, listen, my, my authority really hasn't gone down. God's given me more authority. Now I have children. I have four children. And I get to raise them. I have the authority to tell them what to do, to tell them what not to do, to tell them sometimes even how to do it. The one thing, though, that they do not have is the authority to tell me what to do or the authority to tell each other what to do, though they think they do. See, the reason that they do not have the authority but that I have the authority is that the authority is not from me. The authority that I have is from God. And that is the real authority. God, his authority, is where all authority comes from, all true authority. And so we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to see the authority of Christ, and we're going to see him, we're going to see what he does, and we're going to see how he works. But then when we look at this passage, we're going to start a little bit back further than verse 17. I only had Frank read verse 17 through 26 to start, but we're going to start in verse number 12. Number one, the first thing we see in this passage, we see the power of Christ. We see his power in this passage. In this passage, Jesus Christ was in a city called Capernaum. And in verse number 12, it says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately... The leprosy departed from him. Now you look at this verse and you, you see what it says in verse number 12. And behold, a man full of leprosy. And that's, that, that phrase meaning full of leprosy means this man was covered in every part. He was covered in every part. This leper had a death sentence. He was not going to get better. He was going to die. But when he came to Jesus, he said, God, Jesus, if you will, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, okay, yeah, I will. Be thou clean. And the Bible says that Jesus healed him, listen, immediately. Immediately. 
Now, I've actually had conversations with people and talked to people, and someone said that Jesus, in his miracles, he actually isn't performing miracles. He was just scientifically ahead of his day, so much so that they just seemed like miracles. Okay. Now, that could be an explanation, except for the fact that, again, they were healed immediately. Now, do you know anyone who was paralyzed, anyone who was blind, or anyone that has had leprosy who was healed in an instant? No. We don't know anyone. Even with modern medicine, we don't know that. In fact, leprosy is not something that has been eradicated from our world. It still exists today. It's, called, it's just called by a different name, Hansen's d- disease. There are approximately 208,000 cases of leprosy, Hansen's disease, every year. In fact, 100 of those, not many, but 100 of those are even in the United States of America. And with our modern medicine, the doctors will prescribe you two to three antibiotics that will take one to two years for you to fully recover. And listen... Today, leprosy is something that can be treated. It never gets usually to the point where a person is fully covered. And so when we're talking about leprosy being treated today, it's usually just the beginning stages. Jesus healed someone immediately who was covered in it. Jesus healed him instantly because he has the power of God because he is God. Jesus not only healed him immediately, I don't want you to see that he healed him completely. He healed the leper completely. There was not a trace of the leprosy left in him. In fact, when you look throughout all the instances in the Gospels when Jesus healed someone, do you notice he always heals them? completely. I'm not going to go through all of them, but let's just go through a couple. John chapter 4, the official son. God heals him completely. Luke chapter 4, Peter's mother-in-law. God, Jesus heals her completely. Luke chapter 6, the man's withered hand. Jesus heals him completely. Luke 7, the centurion's paralyzed servant. Jesus heals him completely. Luke 7, listen, he raised the widow's son from the dead. Listen, Jesus raised him completely. He didn't raise him halfway. He raised him completely. And we could go on to many other examples. And listen, even later in this passage, we see another paralyzed man being let down from the ceiling. And Jesus heals him completely. It's not like that Jesus started just giving him feeling in his feet. And so he crawled out of there rejoicing because now he had feeling, but he still couldn't walk. No, he got up and walked. He ca- Listen, he had so much strength that he carried the bed that other people were carrying there with him on it. He got up and carried it away himself. But also when you look at that man, Jesus didn't just heal him physically completely. He healed him spiritually completely. And when we come to Jesus... In faith, Jesus heals us spiritually. 
completely. He forgives all our sins. Completely, and listen, immediately. Listen, we see Jesus' power in his ability to heal, and Jesus had so much power. But in this passage, I want us to see that we also see Jesus' priorities. We see Jesus' priorities. Listen, Jesus could have traveled the land. He could have traveled the land and just demonstrated his immense power to the masses and gained popularity and popularity and popularity. Listen, you look throughout the Bible, no one ever had a problem with his power. Listen, in this passage, he could have just told the former leper to go around telling everyone what just happened. But Jesus, his priority with the leper was, listen, obedience. Jesus had a priority of obedience. In verse 14, it says, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and do what he's supposed to do. Go show thyself to the priest and offer thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Listen, Jesus had a priority on obedience. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became, what? Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's big. That's big. A couple of verses earlier, you see in verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to be obedient. We are to prioritize obedience, listen, over power. Jesus, when he was on the cross, could have called thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. He could have thought the people, he could have thought and the people who were crucifying him would have just been gone. But he was obedient. Listen, Jesus sought to be obedient to the Father, not because the Father intimidated him. Jesus and and the Father are both God. They are both equally powerful. Jesus obeyed the Father because he unconditionally loved the Father. Listen, God could destroy me in an instant. I didn't give it to you, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, don't have to put it on the screens, but fear not him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill both body and soul in hell. God can destroy me in an instant, but that's not why I serve him. I don't serve him out of fear. When I raise my children and, and, and I'm teaching them, I don't want them to obey me out of fear. I don't want them to listen to me out of fear. I want them to obey me and listen to me because they know that I love them and they love me. Jesus' priority was obedience. Jesus, we also see his priority in prayer. Verse number 15, but so much the more went their fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And what does he do? He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus made prayer a priority. It has been said that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. 
And I very much agree with that statement. Limitations 3, verse 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, but because his compassions fail not. And look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And I want to then look at Hebrews 4, 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Listen, that's prayer. Come boldly under the throne of grace. That, that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. Listen, could it be that because we are not praying Christians, we are not like Christ making prayer a priority in our lives, that we are leaving mercy and grace on the table because we fail to make prayer a priority, because we're not praying? There's no doubt that Jesus made prayer a priority in his life. Number one, we see the power of Christ. Number two, let's look at the position of Christ. The position of Christ. Verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judah and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Listen, we see in this passage, Jesus was in a position here in a position of authority. Now we see, again, what we've already read. He was in a position of authority because of his power. Okay? This was, his position of authority was proved by his power. You think about the people who are sitting with him in this house. They're, they're sitting watching a man who has turned water into wine, who has cast out devils, who even probably that day has healed multiple people. Listen, I, if you notice in verse 17, it says that the power of God was present to heal them. I don't, I don't think that the paralyzed man was the only person Jesus healed that day. I don't think that the paralyzed man was the only person that Jesus healed in that house. People were coming from all over, so much so that the four men who were carrying the paralyzed man could not get in the house. They couldn't, they were trying to squeeze through and squeeze through and move people, but they couldn't get in. Listen, if someone came in this auditorium right now, and started just looking at people and said, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. And we actually saw people who had visible infirmities. So we had, let's say we had someone in a wheelchair over here and God said, you're healed. And they just stood up. Listen, I think they'd have our attention, wouldn't they? They'd have our attention. Listen, God used miracles. God used this show of power to prove the authority in the Old Testament of the prophets, and also here, he, God, Jesus was proving his authority by his power. We see later in the book of Romans that his power was used to show his position. And this is pretty big, isn't it? Romans 1.4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, what? By the resurrection from the dead. <laughs> by his power. He was shown to be the Son of God. Jesus showed his authority by his power. He also showed, proved his, his authority by his wisdom. Listen, people came and were, were listening to what he was saying. They were listening to his teaching. He was a wise man. I want you to note, though, especially teenagers, listen to this. His wisdom did not just automatically 
appear when he became an adult. He was working and he was studying and he was listening even as a young child. We go to Luke chapter 2 verse 46 and it came to pass after three days. He's tw- Jesus is 12 here. They found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions. Even as a 12-year-old boy. What, what 12-year-old boy do you just see who's just sitting in front of a bunch of intellectual people, just sitting there listening to them and just asking them questions? A couple of verses later, verse 52, the Bible says, And Jesus, what? Increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was known for his wisdom even as a young Man, listen, don't try this. Like, you know what? I can get wisdom later. I'm just going to live it up now and do whatever I want now as a teenager. Listen, life doesn't start when you turn 18. You are becoming who you're going to be for the rest of your life as a teenager. Don't think that once you become an adult, you're just going to change and all of a sudden be responsible and all of a sudden do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't happen. As a teenager, I'm speaking to you. I love, I love working with teenagers. But listen, you are solidifying who you will be for the rest of your life, usually during your teenage years. It's very important. To parents, you need to really listen to that. That means they're becoming who they're going to be as young children. And they solidify it as teenagers. Listen, Jesus... In this passage, then, he see, the people come. They come to hear him. They come to see him. They, he, he was wise. He proved that he had authority because of his wisdom. How many times in the scriptures do we hear that this man does not speak as the scribes and, 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 and Pharisees. He, he speaks as one having authority. He proved his position of authority. But his position of authority was not without challenge. It's not that they could take his authority, but they challenged his authority. The scribes and the Pharisees, you look at this passage, they took the same position as Christ in this passage. You look at it, I mean, I mean physically. In Jesus' day, the teacher, the person teaching, would be the only one sitting. And the people listening to the teacher would be standing. Can you imagine if that, that, that we did that today? I'm sitting down up here and all of you are just standing. Pastor would probably like that. <laughs> He's usually going up here. Only the teacher was supposed to be sitting. But look what we see in verse number 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he, Jesus Christ, was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors, those are scribes, of the law, what? Sitting by Sitting by. They were taking the position of teacher even though they were not the ones teaching. And then as Jesus, the the, the paralyzed man, the paralyzed man gets running. Again, the people bringing him, they can't get in. And so they they go up on the roof and they start tearing apart the roof. Can you imagine this as you're Jesus and as you're the other people in the building? All of a sudden, just... Just little particles start falling from the ceiling. I mean, if that started happening now, I'm out of here, okay? (laughs) 
I don't think anyone would be staying if, if that happened. But particles start falling, and then all of a sudden, light starts leaking through, and then you see that people are digging at the roof, and they're taking things off. And, and sooner or later, you see they're, they're lowering someone on a bed down through the roof, and you're just like, God, don't fall. What is happening? But Jesus sees them, and he knows exactly what's happening. They're looking for healing, but he sees their faith. He he sees and he knows that they're trusting in him. And the Bible says in verse number 20, And when when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now notice the response from the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse number 21, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh what? Blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Listen, when Jesus forgave the man's sin, they called Jesus a sinner. They called Jesus a sinner. Jesus responds by, doing, by saying, Listen, what... What's easier? For me to just say, hey, your sins are forgiven, or me to just say, hey, rise up and walk. And what does he do? Like, take up your bed, walk out, get out of here, walk, you're healed. And the man just stands up and walks. Now, this show of power should have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that what he said, he had the authority to say it. Because if a mere human had said, hey, listen, your sins are forgiven. There's no way in the world that God is going to allow that man to be able to heal anyone after that. Listen, the power that they saw that he possessed should have convinced them that what he was saying was true. The reason they didn't believe it is simply because they didn't want to. They did not want to admit it because they would have to give up their position. They would have to submit to his authority rather than what they wanted was him submitting to their authority. They wanted to be on top. Isn't that the sin of Satan? Satan wanted to be on top. And how many times... We're living our life and... We get into sin, and God says, listen, hey, that's, that's not right. And we know God is correct. We know what the Bible says, but we do it anyway. What are we doing? We're claiming God's authority. We're claiming God's authority. Listen, you can know something is true, but choose not to live by it. Choose not to believe it. People do it all the time. Listen, his position was challenged, but let me just say, he proved his position. He proved his position. Verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what reason ye, what reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or say rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. That Son of Man saying is Jesus' favorite thing to call himself. It's from Daniel chapter 7. It is a claim of deity calling himself the son of man. 
You ever have someone say, Jesus never claimed to be deity. Show them that. Show them Daniel chapter 7. Jesus here is claiming to be God. Verse 24, that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he said, said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. He proved his position of authority. Listen again, thy sins be forgiven thee is a big claim. Listen, the Pharisees are not wrong in saying that only God can forgive sins. They're not wrong in that claim. They're not wrong in their doctrine there. Only God can forgive sins. If Jesus was merely a human, they would have been right in saying that he was blaspheming. But he wasn't, and he isn't merely human. He proved his position of authority. And in proving his position of authority, he proved his position of preeminence. His position, being able to forgive sins, being able to tell that that paralyzed man to get up and walk, proved that his position was greater than that of the scribes and Pharisees. And that's why the scribes and Pharisees hated him. (coughs) Because all the people were starting to follow Jesus instead of following them. He didn't just prove his position of authority, prove his position was preeminent. He also, since he proved himself to be God here, really, he proved his position was permanent. Church, God doesn't change. God doesn't change, and the Hebrews, they know that. God doesn't change. We see in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, the same Jesus who in this passage forgave the sins of the paralytic paralytic man and healed the paralytic man is the same Jesus that can forgive your sins and has the power of of God to forgive your sins today because he is God. And so in this passage, we see that the people, the people saw Christ's power and the people saw Christ's authority They saw his position. And when they saw his power and then his position, it brought them to a point where they had to think. And so number three, we see the pondering about Christ. See, we got the the alliteration in there. Amen. Verse 26, and it says, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen Strange things today. How many have ever seen some things that you can't, you can't quite make sense of? You just can't quite make sense of it. And you just wonder and you think and you think and you think. And you just, it just boggles your mind. Just absolutely boggles your mind. Listen, these people, when they're, when they're watching, they thought his power was awesome. They thought his power was awesome. Listen, 
they've never seen anything like it. Everyone just seems to think that, that, that miracles in Israel was just something that always happened. That they just, oh, they just, Israel just saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle all throughout their history. But really, you, you read the biblical account, you read through the Old Testament, and there really were only a couple of spots in Israel's history where they saw miracles. It wasn't a normal thing. And so now they're seeing this man who just can heal whoever he wants to. And you look at what he's saying, as he's saying, he's thus, he does, before you look at the prophets, and he's, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, the Lord says to do this, the Lord says to do this, and here he just had, get up. Hey, yeah, your leprosy, it's, it's clean. Oh, this boy raised from the dead. All the prophets beforehand were doing it by the word of the Lord, and and this man seems to be doing it by his own word. What gives? I can't, I can't make sense of it. I remember working at a camp, and uh, every week there would always be a child who was the worst. And there was one week I had a child in my cabin who, oh, he was bad. In fact, after that week, every worst camper of the week was known as Robert, because that was the name of the child. So who, who has, so the, the question will be every week after that, who has the Robert this week? This kid was terrible. He was horrible. Oh. On Wednesday, and here's the thing, he was so bad that just Wednesday, he was so bad through those first three days that it just, it just, that's all we remember throughout the story. Wednesday, he got saved. Wednesday, he got saved. And, and literally, everything changed. After he went home, his grandma was just watching him and watching him. And she wrote us back a letter saying, what happened? <laughs> what happened at camp? Robert's a different boy. She could, listen, she, what was she, what was she seeing? She was seeing the power of God. Amen. And she, it, it, it just blew her mind. And that, that really was how drastic the change was. power of God is awesome. Listen, they had never seen anything, anything like it. Listen, they also, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And listen, we still can't do it today. Listen, I see my good brother Eric right here. Dan's not in here. If he was in here, I'd pick on him, but you're right there, okay? Eric, I don't know if you noticed this, but you don't have hair on the top of your head. And I'm sorry, but I can't just reach down and touch your head and say, be not bald. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't heal anyone. 
Even with the simple, the simple disability of baldness, I don't even know what to say it. Even, even just by bald, even, even just a bald, I can't, I can't, I can't heal anyone. Listen, Jesus proved himself greater than all the people around him. Jesus proved himself greater than we are. But when they saw his power, and then they heard what he said, okay, they couldn't just think about his power without also thinking about his authority. Listen, the Jews had a specific thing in their mind about the Messiah. Most Jews did not believe the Messiah was going to be God in the flesh. The Messiah was simply going to be the anointed one who was going to come and they were going to throw off the oppression and set up the kingdom of God and rule there. And so as they're listening to Christ and hearing what he's saying and hearing, he just... Did I just, did I just hear him say his, his sins were forgiven? Listen, it was not what they expected. Again, you looked out scripture. I said this before, but no one ever seems to have a problem with Jesus' power. They had a problem again with what he was saying. And in this passage, he didn't say what they expected him to say, but he said what he had the authority to say. And how many times we're going about our life and we like the direction we're going, but we read in our Bible that God, man, he doesn't really like that. He doesn't like our pride. He doesn't like, he doesn't like our selfishness. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. Jesus spoke with authority. He healed with power. And those things together proved who he was. And listen, they had to think about it. They had to ponder, okay, if Jesus, he's healing all these people, but he's also, he's saying that he has the power to forgive. He said he, he, he forgave that person's sin. Well, only God can forgive sin. That's true. So, so what? They had to think about it. If what Jesus was saying was true, listen, it would change everything. I remember before brother, Pastor Josh got here. He needed a desk. And so I was tasked with the mission of making sure that he had one. And I was able to find the exact same desk that was in my office. Now, the difference between when Bill Brown found my desk and I found Josh's desk was that Bill Brown found mine pre-assembled. I found Josh's not pre-assembled. And therefore, it was also like $400 cheaper. In retrospect, I would have gladly spent those $400. <laughs> 
But putting that desk together, like I, and I remember I had, had a lot of people helping and it was, it was great and I'd be, I'd be working because I couldn't be over there the entire time, but I had some men in the church helping. And every once in a while, they would come over with a couple parts and just holding in their hands and just come over and look at my desk and just look and, and look and then, and then go back. And listen, there were, try, there were times when, when, they, when they ran into some snags and they were having a hard time and they could not figure it out. But then we had a revolutionary idea. There were instructions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh that one of the men who was helping me said amen. <laughs> it's very true. But we opened the instructions, and believe it or not, the instructions told us exactly how we were supposed to put the desk together. Which parts went where, which parts went on first, which parts went on second, which parts went on third. And listen, by following the directions, we finished the desk. And it's still even standing today. <laughs> kind of. Listen. In order to complete that desk, we had to look and get word from the authorities on that desk. We weren't going to do it on our own. Listen, your desk would not work. The drawers would not work if we had just kept trying to do it. Like we had stuck a drawer in, and we quickly, once we put it in, quickly realized it wasn't supposed to. Like, something was wrong, because we couldn't get it back out at all. And it wouldn't go all the way in, either. And it is by, the God, by God's grace that we got it apart. But by looking at the instructions and following what the instructions said, what the authorities on the desk said, we got it done. Christian, listen, life is a whole lot more complex than a desk. Life is a whole lot more complex than a desk. And we can go about it trying to do it in our own wisdom. We can go about it trying to do it in our own power. But just like it didn't work putting that desk together on our own, it doesn't work trying to go through life on our own. It doesn't work. You need to seek help and listen and think about who Jesus is, what he says. And you need to apply that to your life. Listen, these people, if, if, if they see Jesus Christ heal, they hear what he says, they hear him tell the man his sins are forgiven, they then see him get up and walk. They see, they see the evidence of God's power. They see the evidence of God's position. And now they have to think about it. If they don't actually make a decision, listen, they ended up in hell. 
A failure to decide on Christ is a, is a rejection of Christ. I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll live for Christ another day. I'll, I'll live for Christ another day. Wherefore, know ye not? Listen, life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. Listen, you have seen from this passage who Christ is. You can either continue living your life under your own stolen authority, or you can live your life under his rightful, his real authority. It's your decision. It's your choice. You have to think about it. You have to decide. What decision will you make? Some of you here this morning, you've been living your life your way. You come to church, you put on a smile, you, you act the part, but you know in your heart that you are not right with God. You know in your heart that you're not following God, that you're not submitting to his authority. Get that right today. Amen. Get that right today. You might be a Christian. He's, you're, you're trying to live right. You're trying to do these rights. You're trying and you're trying and you're trying. But you're trying to do it under your own power. And you're not surrendered to him. We talked about, again, Jesus' priority, obedience and prayer. You want to have power in your Christian life? Be obedient to what Christ says and pray. What's God spoken to you about this morning? What's God put on your heart? Say, what has God singled out saying, listen, this, this needs to change. You know who I am and you're supposed to be like me. Christian means little Christ. God has you thinking about it. Question is, what will you decide? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your love. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy. Lord, thank you so much for showing us, Lord, and, and, and giving us your word that we can see, Lord, and see your power, and Lord, hear your words and know that you are the ultimate authority. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, we will surrender to you. Lord, we will, we will not, uh, Lord, live our own way, live our own life, but Lord, we will, we will live according to your way, Lord, according to your eternal life. And I pray, Lord, you will help each one of us as we have, have to now think about, Lord, what we've heard this morning, that we will make the right decision. And, Lord, that we will surrender. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.